Jared and I did text about Classic Causeway earlier in the week, and the content would have been good on here. Jared had some choice words about the spotting. So. And that's, I mean, anybody, you know, you know, from texting, like it's a lot harder to get all your emotions out that way because when you're speaking, you just, bleh, just throw it all out there. But I mean, it texting, you could've... really have to work at it to get, you know, get it going. Could have been something like this guy doesn't have a effing clue. <laughs> there were these two racing dudes named Aaron and Jared who had advice on racing and they wanted to share it. Started a website where players go to see all their picks. The goal was make the fans some money and to cut down the risk. They put the plan into motion and at first it seemed silly. Make a website where the expert picks are freer than Willie. From a racetrack veteran to just a beginner. There's one place that you want to go to find you a winner. As a matter of fact, I want to hit the exacta. There's only one site that you'll keep coming back to. So next time that the horses all line up at the post, make sure you use the website that'll win you the most. Whether Churchill, Oakland, Gulfstream Parks, and Matoga, and all tracks in between, there's only one side to go to. When it comes to your racing needs and all of your bets, plus it's got a catchy name that no one ever forgets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. What's up, everybody? It's Magic. He's with us Hi. today. What's uh, Welcome, everybody, to Blinkers Off. I usually don't open the show, so I'm a little tongue-tied here. Uh, Jared could not make it. He planned on being here, and he could not make it. But the good news is, if you want Jared's picks, I've got them. Uh, he handicapped everything yesterday. He's got uh, everything ready. So I will list off the picks. But before we kind of get into it, Magic, what is up, man? Hi. It's uh, Yeah, as Shadi said, it's a crossover of the products here. We both have our Danhausen shirts on, which is uh, wonderful. Some of our Danhausen shirts, I believe we both own multiple, so uh, that's not embarrassing to admit at all. But, uh, no, it's funny. We did this uh, uncoordinated, but, yeah, it's fun. Magic Mike show uh, blinkers off. Usually you fill in for Mike or I over there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back here. Um, we've got the two races we get to go deep on. I'm excited because even though we're going to cover them on Magic Mike show, we can't go in depth like you and I get to. So uh, the Belmont Oaks and the Belmont Derby, man, I am so excited for these races. That's a great setup for me to kind of tell you what we're going to do on the show. So we are going to go in depth to the Belmont Oaks and the Belmont Derby, like Magic said. And he's right when he says that uh, they're, they're unbelievable races. We probably talked the whole hour on those, but we won't do that. But we will talk about them in depth. And then we're also going to rapid fire, uh, I think, what do we got? Five races. we got the Suburban, the Victory Ride, Indiana Derby, Iowa Derby, and the Prairie Meadows Cornhusker Handicap. How excited are you for the, for the Cornhusker this year? You know, Aaron, as, as you uh, – well, I won't steal your line. And I am excited to talk about Prairie Meadows. We'll leave it at that. Like I said, I told you, we're doing the Cornhusker. It has a history of producing Breeders' Cup Classic winners. And hopefully we've got another one in this field this year. I don't think we do. Um, speaking of that, real quick before we do uh, all these races, and we'll get into them here pretty quickly, but Breeders' Cup Classic has really started heating up after what we saw last weekend on the racetrack. Life is good, Olympiad, and of course, Charge It. Even American Revolution ran a very good second. Uh, kind of, Who was your number one star, let's say, from last weekend? Uh, for me, it was Olympiad. Uh, it's a horse that um, is owned by Ellen J. Foxwoods, who with the Racing Dudes team been big fans of, of that ownership group for a long time. And um, lots of great horses. And, and they treat the horses well, and they put them in great spots. And Olympiad has now won five straight. Um, it's unfortunate none of these are grade one yet. That's the next test at the Whitney. But uh, Mike did it. I think it was Mike on our live uh, reaction to the race 
pointed out that Olympiad was up there with the front runners early, and then Cata River, and I forget who the other horse was, they quit out, and Olympiad just kept going and going and going, and there was no slowing down, no stopping. Um, he just looked so good, Aaron, so good. And I know it was a struggle for you to not make him second or first in your Breeders' Cup rankings. Yeah, I just kind of felt like, man, I think life is good as maybe just a touch better and then flight line a touch better than those two. But yeah, listen, Olympiad was fantastic. And, you know, speaking of life is good, the next race coming up, the Whitney for both these horses. So we'll get to see uh, on the first weekend or excuse me, the first Saturday in August at Saratoga, we're going to get to see Olympiad and life is good as long as they stay healthy. Uh, that may be the race of the year, but you know what? We've said that a few times. You're like flatline speakers corner race of the year, you know, back to Pegasus. It was Nick's go. Life is good race of the yeah. year. Uh, it's, it's incredible. These kind of matchups we've been getting, uh, that are in non breeders cup races, which is great. Uh, real quick though, let's talk about charge it for a second. Did he do enough in your mind to a jump up and maybe be a candidate at least and in the conversation, as long as he keeps winning for three-year-old of the year, and B, is he a Breeders' Cup Classic contender in your eyes now? Uh, he's definitely improving, right? And, and he's a tappet, so that means that it's usually going to take a while to figure them out mentally. And it seems like Pletcher's kind of unlocked that for him. So, uh, yeah, he's got that nice meteoric rise. I think the buyer, was that the highest that any three-year-old has gotten this year that he got? For yeah. That is crazy. Yes, yes. Oh. he got a 111, which is the highest, yes. Man. Uh, it'll be the highest, and uh, mark my words, it'll be the highest until Jack Christopher wins the Haskell. I think he's going to get a little higher than that, but um, it's a, a remarkable, uh, regardless whether you believe in buyers or not. Um, it, it's impressive that he does that. So, uh, you know, he's going to regress from that number likely wherever he goes next. But how much does he regress? It's kind of a question. He runs like he could run all day, but then. There are times when you also think his best races have been a one-turn mile. So it's kind of – we get to use the summer to figure out where he should go when it comes Breeders' Cup time. You think with the breeding, Aaron, the, the way he runs, the way that they've kind of campaigned him, it's probably going to be the classic for him. Right now, I'd probably have him sitting about uh, you know sixth or seventh there. It's hard with the three-year-olds. You can't put them in the top five because we still don't know where they're all at. They're all kind of in this jumbled mess right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it gets ironed out, like you said, to begin with, for the Haskell. And you talked about Jack Christopher. I believe he's had the second highest buyer uh, of the three-year-old crop uh, as far as the males go, or females for that matter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you talked about the Haskell. That's being the first step. Then there's the Jim Dandy. Then there's the Travers. And those are the three big races of the summer, uh, for three-year-olds at least, that are going to kind of kind of you know, make it not a jumbled mess, kind of give us those strong opinions. Uh, Rodney is excited because Tava and Pinehurst have been nominated for the Haskell. We'll talk about this just for a second. We'll have wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the Haskell on Haskell Week. But if we get Tava versus Jack Christopher in the Haskell, does it could it get much better than that? I mean, that would be amazing. That would be fun because I think that there's the two horses that uh, to different degrees, they've got a lot of hype, but there's still question marks surrounding them. So when you can put the two of them together – one of them has to come out the winner. Likely the other one, I don't know if we're going to see them finish second and make it a fight. So you will see one kind of emerge, keep going. You might see the other one regress or, or at least drop off a little bit. So I'm excited for, uh, for Jack Christopher. The Baffert getting his hands back on the horses, and we still don't know who he's going to fully have control of again yet. But getting his, horse, his hands back on these horses makes it interesting. Because if you tell me it's Baffert bringing Tava or I don't really care about Piners, but you tell me it's Baffert bringing Tava. Now I'm suddenly very interested, and Baffert loves to win the Haskell like he loves to win the Kentucky Derby. So, yeah, that, that one's pretty uh, pretty intriguing. If it's Sean McCarthy, nah, I'm going to stick with Jack Christopher. 
I, I'll make a little bet that Taba runs under Bob Baffert. Let's just put it that way, <laughs> even if he may not be listed. So right now, you know, uh, if, if Taba shows up, it, it means he's going to run really, really well. He's not shipping horses to the Haskell that don't run well. That's just not what he does. So if Taba's there, he's going to run well, or at least they expect he's going to. Is it good enough to beat Jack Christopher? I'm not sure. This is a pretty darn good horse, Jack Christopher. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Also, real quick, before we go on, uh, where is Epicenter looking to? Last I heard, Dennis, Epicenter to the Jim Dandy, uh, which could end up being a really good race as well. Chad Brown, I'm sure we'll have horses in there. Charge It could also be in there. So Epicenter to the Jim Dandy is, is the most likely scenario right now. I think the horse arrived at Saratoga this week maybe earlier this week or the or the or the last of the week before so anyway all right magic are you uh, slim on that on the backside then that backside vlog better have my boy epicenter on it real soon uh well you know what saratoga slim he's he's got an assignment to go to the asmussen barn and i think he really wants to be there so uh and asmussen really loves saratoga slim so yes he does yeah so we'll see there. Magic, our $20 bet on Epicenter for Redemption. In the Jim Dandy? Sure, we can do that. Yeah, okay. the $20 that Michael Myers gave me because uh, uh, freaking Barber Road finished ahead of, I can't remember, who was the Cassie horse that got last in the Belmont? Barber oh, Road was second to last, and the only horse that he finished ahead of was the one I needed him to finish ahead of for the bet. Yeah, he ran uh, second in the Jim D- or in the uh, Peter, Peter Pan, Pan, too. Yeah. I can't even think of the horse's name That's now. how impressive he is, yeah. Yeah. I can't even think about it. <laughs> I keep wanting to say soup and sandwich. I know that's not right, but we'll call him soup and sandwich junior. There Golden go. glider. There it is. Yeah. Golden Thank glider. You. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Go ahead and do that. I don't know. Listen, you make it a pretty good well, I mean, you're not gonna get a great price, but you may get a decent price on Epicenter and the Jim Dandy to make it worth batting 20 bucks. I with that field, the way it's kind of lining up, I don't know. He may be two to one in there. We'll see. Especially if Charge it. I think Charge it'll be the favorite if he's in the Jim Dandy off of 111 buyer. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes, Dan Housen being represented on the show today. So, all right, guys, let's do it. Are you ready? I don't know how we start this. How does how does he usually start it? Let's go. All right, there we go. Okay, Magic, let's get into it. Uh, riders up. That's what you say. That's what I yeah. keep trying to say to myself. All right, yeah, let's go, guys. So I can't do that again. I got to save my voice. <laughs> That's right. You can only only have one of those a day. Yeah. Drink the water magic. All right. And they're off in the Belmont Oaks Invitational. Let's get right to it. We're going to end up two races here, and we're going to start with race seven at Belmont Park on Saturday. It's the Belmont Oaks, a grade one, uh, grade one race going a mile and a quarter with a $700,000 purse, of course, for three-year-old Phillies. So magic, a field of 10 here. These two races are fantastic. Let's kick it off. Where are you looking in this spot? This is my first time seeing the odds. So, like, I, I about a half hour ago, I was refreshing. I hadn't seen him yet. So, this is great. I'm actually – let me move the camera a little bit here so I, or the screen a little bit. There we go. All right. Uh, I love the price. I'm getting on my top pick, number four, with the Moonlight. Um, this is a horse that – uh, for Charlie Appleby was very, very highly regarded when she was two, right from the time that she debuted. She's going to be third off of the layoff here in this spot. She had a nice victory two back in uh, the Pretty Poly Stakes. There's two different Pretty Poly Stakes. This is the lesser version of them. But she did it on a good to firm side in Newmarket, and that's important because Charlie Appleby Aaron, what does he know? He knows what horses of his can come to America and can win grade one races. In the last five years, 
in 25 North American grade one races. Do you know how many of those he's won? A lot. 12. He's 12 for 25 in North American grade one races the last five years. Find me any trainer with that kind of a line. I mean, you're basically we're saying it's a coin flip. Will he win this or won't he win this? So uh, the point is Appleby knows what he's bringing to New York. Uh, Remember last year, the, the just a game in the Diana, he went 1-2 in those races. Um, he got a third in the Saratoga Oaks with a horse that really had no business being third in a race with that kind of a purse. I think as long as you scratch off the Kazoo Oaks, that race last time out, we're going to say that about, at least I'm going to say that about horses here and in the Belmont Derby. That's like the Kentucky Oaks or the Kentucky Derby, the, the, the Kazoo Oaks Kazoo Derby. So Tawny Port's a great example, right? Uh, the Kentucky Derby, we said, scratch it off. He's going to be great in the Ohio Derby. What happened? He won. Scratch off what happened with this horse in the Kazoo Oaks. She was facing, you know, Emily Upjohn, the horse that ended up losing that race. She is like 15 miles better than any turf horse in America at age three. It's really, you're shitting nodding your head. You know, it's, it's ridiculous how good she is. So for you to be facing that horse and losing, okay, <laughs> no shame here. You're, nothing in this field is like that. So... I love that. Um, I love Detori coming aboard, but I know some people, I think after Ascot with his tumultuous Ascot, Aaron, I think some people are, they're, they're fading Frankie Detori, and I think that is really freaking dumb to do. So, yeah, I'm, with, I'm with, with the moonlight on top here. I love this horse, and a six to one, oh, all day. Hey, <laughs> that was my second choice. I really like uh, with the moonlight as well, and I don't think I really need to go into that one much more. You, you covered it, and you just look what Appleby did here last season. I mean, there's reasons to be pretty darn confident that he could do it again. Um, you mentioned the the Kazoo Oaks, and yes, it's a huge race, a Group One race over there. I got to go to the outside horse because of the Kazoo Oaks, and I'm going with number ten Concert Hall. I know it's the favorite, and I know a lot of people in these situations will go, "We can't play the favorite here," but. Honestly, if she's three to one, I think that's a hell of a price on this horse. Like you said, what a race that that was with Tuesday and Emily Upjohn. This horse was fourth. This horse was beaten four and a half lengths. I think if she brings that race, they're running for second. Now, you might look, though, next time out, uh, which was just 13 days ago, another Group 1 event there for Concert Hall. Didn't run quite as well. Was was fifth, beaten four lengths, not against uh, quite the field that she faced two back. So, that's for sure that we're going to have to have a little bit of a bounce back. I'm kind of hoping that last out race, the turf was soft. Maybe the horse just doesn't like when the turf is a little bit soft. Let's try, uh, you know, back here with the, I'm assuming is going to be a fast surface uh, today. Or, well, I should say Saturday. So I went concert hall on top here. Uh, what did you think of her? And then kind of get into maybe some of the American runners. Yeah, concert hall. I Listen, I'll, if you're, Mismagic Mike Show, if you're going to watch this spoiler, I'm going to go too deep here, and this is the other one I'm going to use. you got to remember, Aiden O'Brien's won this race twice before. Horse named Athena, horse named Santa Barbara. Both did it off short rest. Aaron, why were they doing off that off a short rest? Because they both raced in the grade, the group one pretty poly, just like this horse did before coming over. Now, Santa Barbara, uh, I, I think Santa Barbara and Athena both won that race and came over, but... The fact that Aiden O'Brien just using that exact same path, I, you've got to love it. I will say the one reason I left her as second and not my top pick, I'm a little worried with that draw um, being out that wide. This is a horse that from reading some reports from overseas, she has to be ridden very hard for a lot of the race. So with that wide draw, if you're going to be four or five wide three times, or, you know, two times around the track like that, I'm a little concerned. Was that an issue for you at all, that wide draw? 
Yeah, it was. And we'll talk about the wide draw in the next race as well. And that that was kind of the worry. Neither one of the uh, of the uh, Aiden O'Brien horses drew very well for these two races. And yeah, I mean, the 10 spot is not ideal. It's a mile and a quarter, and it's kind of a weird co- configuration at, at Belmont Park. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, you can kind of tuck in and, and kind of find some sa- ground-saving trip at least a, a bit from that outside post. Honestly, if she draws better, I'm maybe thinking about singling. But with that outside draw, I do think it makes it a little more wide open. Um, and and I guess when you go to the American runners, the Chad Brown trio here, what do you what do you make of them? I really like Hottie a lot. I thought she was very impressive last time out. What do you think about the American runners here? Uh boy, you got to. Chad Brown throwing three into this race tells me he's very mad that he hasn't had the success in this he thinks he should. So uh, he's got some good horses here, but I don't know that if you were sending just with the Moonlight or just Concert Hall, I'm like, oh, yeah, Chad Brown's got a chance. You've got to beat both of those, and that's a tough ask. McCulloch is a horse that loves to hit the board, but, you know, she struggled to win at Churchill. Was it the surface? A lot of horses struggled with it. I'm starting to wonder if maybe she's a little bit of a hanger. Maybe we need maybe uh, some adjustment with the equipment, some blinkers, but you've got third off the layoff. It's Chad Irad Klarovich. It wouldn't surprise you here. Um, Buyer's improving. Haughty, I know that you like – I'll let you uh, talk a little bit about her more, but um, as far as consumer spending, that's my actual favorite of the three Chad Brown here, and it's got Manny Franco. And until this year, I would have said, well, Manny's on this one. That's not a good thing. You said it. Manny Franco's been riding some really nice winners for Chad Brown, and it's usually the one that people aren't looking at. Now, here we've got 5-1 to one on those on, on her and Haughty, McCulloch 6-1, to one, so she probably won't get ignored, but – Aside from the Breeders' Cup, when she had a rough trip, and frankly, I think 10 of those 14 fillies had a bad trip that day, she's had done nothing wrong in her career. So you can get a good price on her here. I think that the Chad Brown horses, if I was playing, you know, exact to trifecta, I'm definitely using them underneath. I just don't know if any of them are good enough to take that big step forward and beat both Appleby and O'Brien in this spot. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be pretty tough for Chad, and he's really been dominant with the uh, Phillies, like you kind of pointed out on the turf. Uh, real quick, Papa Dude loves the five consumer spending. Now he does not ever bet on international horses, so <laughs> but he, he he's saying that the best of the American runners is concert spending, or excuse me, consumer spending. As I blended <laughs> the five and ten together there, uh, but uh, yeah, you're, you're saying the same thing about consumer spending. You like her the best, yeah, Hottie for me. Uh, this horse, you know, broke the maiden, but really didn't because got disqualified, even though she won by three and a quarter on debut, came back and won again by four. Then they tried the British Cup Juvenile Philly, uh, uh, Philly Turf, and my goodness, this horse almost got there. And then off of a maiden, almost won the thing, came back, looked really good in the uh, Pin Oaks last time out. So we'll see if she stretches out and she's as effective uh, stretching out in distance. Uh, one more I want to ask about the number six New Year's Eve. What do we make of this horse? Three out of four beat McCulloch very easily last time out in the Edgewood at Churchill Downs. Um, it, this Churchill Downs surface, do we trust it now that we're going from another to another track? Well, I, mm, I it's hard. It's hard to say. I don't think you can necessarily point at the Churchill races specifically and say this is why a horse you need to use or not use. I think you have to kind of blend it with the rest and say this horse liked Churchill or this horse didn't like Churchill. It's really hard to say. Uh, this one's intriguing because Louis size stays aboard, and, and that caught my attention. I'm just not sure what she's beaten, what she's faced. I already talked about McCulloch. I'm not very high on McCulloch. 
as far as winning goes. I think she hangs a lot. And if I think she hangs a lot, maybe it implies she could have uh, beaten New Year's Eve or at least caught her. I know you were there and saw the Edgewood in person. I think New Year's Eve, again, uh, support for the exotics, but I'm going to pass on her on top. I will say of the horses that I didn't use in my uh, pick five ticket, the six and the nine were the two that scared me from leaving off. So I didn't use the six because I think that she's just not that level of the elite Europeans. Well, the Europeans that they brought over here. But, I mean, if she beats me, I'm going to go, yeah, okay, she beat me. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, Dennis was saying in the chat here, he thought there was a big uh, closer bias on the turf that day. And, of course, she come, came from way out of it. Uh, and then, yeah, the nine you kind of talked about, and and uh, Jared Bush is likes likes the nine. I think D Sauce maybe said in the mm-hmm. chat likes the nine as well. Agartha, this race, this horse is coming out of the same race as Concert Hall, uh, you know, two races back, and got fifth in the same race. Concert Hall got third. Joseph O'Brien trains this when he gets local rider Johnny Velasquez aboard, and Joseph O'Brien is going to have a string of horses at Saratoga, which is really cool, right? Um, yeah, I, I think I think Agartha, is that how you say his name or her name, I guess? Um, I think that's one that might make the ticket for me because that 10 to 1 price seems a bit high. Um, I guess you said you're just going too deep, though. You can't fit the nine in. Well, we'll see. I haven't finished the last two legs at Belmont in the pick five. They fall. We got we go grade one, grade three, grade one, and then we fall right off. So I've got to figure out how deep I have to go in those last two. Um, if I go three deep, the nine will be the third one on for me. Um, I'll tell you why I liked her and why I didn't. Uh, she's got incredible breeding. If you don't know Caravaggio, absolute elite sprint uh, sprinter and then a sprint sire. If you play Royal Ascot, the sprint races, Mike Samich loves to play Caravaggio horses. Um, the damn sire, uh, Dylan Thomas, I think it was, was really good at like 10 furlongs, won the grade one, the group one arc. The horse has got prominent speed, which is a little bit of a worry for me. And when I already think that with the moonlight, she's a little more forwardly placed. Consumer spending, I expect to go. Um, Cairo memories, who we haven't talked about, but it, you know, she might go. Who knows what the hell Mike Smith wants to do? I don't know that this is a good setup for her because she likes to be forwardly placed. Johnny V and Joseph O'Brien, don't forget, I never will. They won the Saratoga Oaks last year, like twenty to one. Uh, completely surprised people. And like you mentioned, Joseph O'Brien keeping a string of Saratoga. You say cool. I think Chad Brown, Todd Pletcher say shit, not cool, because it's going to be pretty scary for them when it comes turf season But at Saratoga. But I, I was back and forth. Again, if, if I can fit her into my ticket, she'll make it. But I'm a little worried, Aaron, that she's going to be – she might need to lead. And if she doesn't get the lead, does she kind of weaken in the stretch instead of having that kick to go forward? Yeah, that's just it. I, I think the tra- uh, the trip is going to be tough, and the same way with the ten, and that kind of kind of opens the door a little bit. But I do think the nine is going to be interesting here, and definitely going to be interesting moving forward to see what Joseph O'Brien can kind of do up at Saratoga. Does he really take it serious? Does he really start a few horses, or is it like one or two here and there? So we'll kind of find out. All right, you're on number four with the Moonlight. I'm on number ten, Concert Hall. They're off in the Belmont Derby. Invitational. Let's go on to the ninth race, uh, basically the feature race of the day, feature race of the weekend for sure. It's the Belmont Derby, a grade one race, going a mile and a quarter on the turf. Million-dollar purse here for three-year-olds, and this time on the male side of things. And, boy, we've got a field of 13 in here, Mr. Magic. All right, let's hear your your brilliant thoughts on this one. 
<laughs> well, with respect to the top uh, few horses here, let me scroll down because we really need to make sure that the 13 Stone Age is on screen here. Uh, when I looked at this field, without looking at any PPs, without knowing who the, the French horses were in here, I said, I've got two horses I'm going to use. It's going to be the 10 Nations Pride, and it's the 13 Stone Age. And I knew these horses because I bet both of them in the Kazoo Derby, and neither one of those horses won. But I got up, and I made sure I watched that, and I went, man, Nation's Pride looks for Charlie Appleby looks exactly like the kind of horse that he would bring to America. And I think I said that in our group chat. And then you see Stone Age, and he's wearing the Peter Brandt colors because he's co-owned by Peter Brandt and Coolmore. So the idea that Chad Brown could see the winner of this be one of his owners in those silks and not be a Chad Brown-trained horse would just be a nice little – little twist in the back there, but um, yeah, I, I think between Nation's Pride and Stone Age, for me, that's where it Nation's Pride is my topic. If you miss the Belmont Oaks, I like Charlie Appleby when he brings horses over. 12 for 25 the last five years in grade one races in North America. Um, I didn't mention it before, but Charlie Appleby and Frankie DeTore, they've only teamed up three times in the last five years, and it actually happened last year at Woodbine. They won three grade ones together. So they're pretty good when they team up together. And it, just like what we talked about with the Oaks air races, Aaron, if you scratch off that Kazoo Oaks or the Kazoo Derby, the, every other race for this horse, it looks really great. And um, Vadini is a horse that is this absolute monster in Europe when it comes to turf racing. Vadini just went and won the Coral Eclipse last week, which is a group one. Nation's Pride was supposed to go there. And then they found out that Vadini went there and Appleby went, you know what? Let's not lose to him again. Let's go to a much easier spot. we got a grade one in America, million-dollar purse. I come out there, and I just beat these guys for fun in, in these types of races. So, uh, yeah, Nation's Pride for me was the top pick, but I also think Stone Age is, is a must-use as well. Yeah, we're very much the same here. I put Nation's Pride on top. I think this horse is primed and ready to go. And I, I put Stone Age second. It's another horse with Stone Age. And you could say about Nation's Pride a little bit where – What's the trip going to be like here? They, they draw, they've drawn out very wide, Stone Age all the way uh, to the far outside. So that will be kind of interesting to see how these jocks try to work a trip at Belmont Park, a, a track that's not the easiest to ride. Wide sweeping turns, got to time that move uh, just right. We'll see if Tatori and Ryan Moore can kind of do that. Uh, before I uh, go on any further with my stuff, I forgot that uh, to mention Jared's pick in the seventh race at Belmont Oaks was Concert Hub, the Tin Horse. And then in the ninth race, this one we're talking about right now, Jared is picking number 13, Stone Age. So uh, he's kind of looks like with us a little bit too here. Stone Age, uh, we both have him in second. Jared has him on top. All right, I see the chat. We've got to address it. Let's go to the American Jesus horses. Jesus Christ, I, you would think it was Barbara Road in this race. It's, it's unbelievable, the love for this horse. But, yeah, everybody uh, knows now that we're on the 10 and the 13 as far as the top two choices. Let's kind of – Go towards the American horses. Tis the bomb. A lot of people saying he's a must-use. Everybody's excited about him. What do you think about Tis the bomb's chances? And if you don't like him, what American horse do you like here? Uh, well, okay, so, yeah, let's talk about what's good for the horse. Um, mm -hmm. Two for three on turf with the second being in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. That's pretty damn good. Uh, looked really great at Turfway Park on synthetic. Synthetic form often translates well to turf, right? We know all of that. Can I stop being nice about it? What, what in the world makes you, and I'm talking to you in the chat who's watching us live, what in the world makes you trust Kenny McPeak at 6-1 to one when this horse was, a couple of months ago, supposed to go to Ascot, the Kazoo Derby, the Coral Eclipse, the Irish Guineas. 
He was supposed to go, uh, he was going to race in the American Turf Stakes. They put him in the Kentucky Derby. Why do you think he has a goddamn clue what is best for this horse when he can't even make it up in his own mind? And you have to pay 6 to 1? If we're getting 10 to 1, 12 to 1, absolutely do that with this horse. If his odds float up to that by post time, sure, throw money on him. But it is so stupid for you to bet this horse, as my phone goes off, it, it, by the way, i got to tell you about my ringtone in a second because it's very fitting for what just happened. Uh, <laughs> why would you pay 6-1 to one on this horse with all of that information, with all of these European horses, which there's some other great ones there and we haven't even talked about yet that I'm using over this horse. I just I can't understand the love for him. I don't know why you would love the horse. I do think that he he has a shot here because you know what he's doing? He's getting back to what he's best at. Why he never was doing this all year long is just almost insanity yeah. to me. But we're getting back to the turf. This horse is really, really good on the turf. He's working out very well. I think he's going to run a nice race here. I really do. Now, I agree. The price is not great. The trainer, who knows? Um I, I don't hate the horse though, and I think if he shows up with his with his best race, I don't think he's without a chance to hit the board. I'm not really sure if he gets all the way up and wins this thing. I do like that Dylan Davis gets aboard. This is a guy that's riding very well at Belmont Park, mm -hmm. and I think he's aboard a horse that's at least somewhat live. So I, I get it. I get why you wouldn't want to or you wouldn't want to play him. Um, I'm not sure he's going to make my pick five ticket, but I think he might make the underneath uh, places here. A lot of speed is the other thing I see in this race. He's going to come running, I think, Magic. Mm -hmm. And if he fires, I think he's got a shot. I, I'm not as bullish on him as everybody – or as you are as far as like, oh, I, I don't I don't like this horse at all. Um, I should ahead. clarify. I'm used to on Magic Mike saying, will this horse win or won't this horse win and moving on? Right. Uh, so I have to remember that. So as far as exotics, absolutely use him underneath. I'm just saying when it comes to win at 6-1 to – I don't want to touch him a six to one to win this race. Well, yeah, it's a big difference between putting a horse on a pick five ticket and putting a horse on a trifecta. The two very, very different things. And I, I can understand that. Now I will say, and I got a comment on this, the number four classic Causeway. This one's nuts. I'm happy he's here. Why? I'm ecstatic he's here because that means that Emmanuel's not going to go 25, 51, minute 16 and go gate to wire and win this when he absolutely has no reason to. That's why. I think Emmanuel's in big trouble for this race. Yeah, yep. I totally agree. I think Emmanuel will, will be off the board here because I do think the pace presence is going to be here. But Magic, why? You know, this horse had totally lost it due to stupid spotting, right? Yep. Yep. They had spotted this horse absolutely perfect. And then all of a sudden, we're in the Florida Derby. We're in the Kentucky Derby. Florida Derby was like a rush job. It wasn't even the, the goal or, or the plan. I don't know why they did that. And then they put him in the Kentucky Derby when they said, no, he's out of contention. McPeak gets his hands on the horse, puts him in a really good spot, the Ohio yep. Derby. He showed some life. He ran pretty well in that race. And now we're going to try the turf, which is, I don't like that. But even if you're going to try it, Maybe the Belmont Derby's not the best place to try it, right? <laughs> Maybe any other race in the country this year for three-year-olds on the turf except this one would have been a better option if you're if you're bound and determined to try the turf. 
It's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's literally, like, you've got Del Mar and Saratoga starting in a little bit, and they're going to have mile, mile and 16th turf stakes, ungraded, grade threes. You could do every other weekend. You could have run one of those. Ellis Park. McPeak loves to run at Ellis Park. Go run them down there. I just can't believe it. And, and like I, I said uh, at the show with my dad the other day, uh, I'll probably talk this horse right into the winner's circle. But it's just, even if he wins, it's just like I can't I can't not believe they spotted him here. And I'm, I'm like, listen, McPeak likes to try horses on the turf. I don't necessarily have a problem with this horse. Isn't Like pedigree-wise, it's not bad for to try the turf. But, God, could you have thought of any other race? By the way, it's a mile and a quarter, too. I don't think that's what this horse wants. No, yeah. all good points. But again, I'm very happy he's here because it just ensures that there's going to be an honest pace for these horses. You're right. You're right. There is going to be a pretty, I mean, maybe pretty... with McPeak having both Classic Causeway and Tis the Bomb, is that why Classic Causeway is here off a short rest is to help Tis the Bomb? That's what a lot of people were kind of talking about uh, as uh, on the uh, on the Dudes Who Bet Sports show the other day. It's like maybe Classic Causeway is the rabbit for Tis the Bomb. Yeah. Yeah, just like uh, just like Chad puts in. Uh, oh, what was the horse? Consumer spending in the last in the Belmont Oaks, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that. That could be what it is. Uh, it could be what it is. So are, yeah, are if only Jared doing... was here to try McPeak. We're not doing a good enough job. I'm sorry. We'll try harder. Uh, I'm a little too. I'll do. Uh, you know what? Come back from the edge, Mike. Show. I'll see if I can get Samich ramped up. He loves to. To go at him. Hey, can we talk about uh, a couple other horses that I like? Because I went four deep for the Magic Mike show. And one of them's getting talked about a lot here. Okay. Eight Royal Patronage at twelve to one. Uh, I know Jared Bush likes it. Dave Barista likes it. Uh, for, I'll ask you in a second about him, but I like that this is a horse with tactical speed who's getting Rosario aboard. Uh, this is a horse that you look at and go, well, okay, 12 to 1. You can look at some of the form, and if you don't dive into it, you think, eh, okay, whatever. But Rosario on this horse I think is going to go be a good thing. Horse seems like he wants to be on firmer going, does his best running overseas that way. That effort two back to finish second to Desert Crown at – about this distance. It was really nice. Desert Crown, I talked about Vidini being a, a beast. This is the Great Britain of Vidini right here. Desert Crown is, is won the, the Kazoo Derby. Just looks like an absolute beast. He's undefeated. So Royal Patronage wins three straight races at two very nicely, has that second to Desert Crown, and he now takes this huge class drop to all these American horses. I mean, he's facing Stone Age and Nation's Pride, but you know, I don't expect that he's going to have as bad of an effort against them because he's not chasing Desert Crown this time. I think he's really sneaky here with Joel Rosario, and I think this firm going is going to really push him forward here. I think he's interesting, and I like Rosario getting aboard here as well. And look, I mean, the horse has, like you said, experience against horses that are very, very good. Uh, we'll see if he can bounce back. The price is going to be the key here for this horse. Uh, and as far as using a pick four and a pick five, it just kind of depends on, hey, do I need a horse here? That's a price. Well, there he is. There's one that we could definitely <laughs> throw on the ticket and play. Um, to, for Dave, uh, I, I will tell you, Jared and I did text about Classic Causeway earlier in the week, and the content would have been good on here. He, Jared had some choice words about the spotting. So. And that's, I mean, anybody, you know, you know, from texting, like it's a lot harder to get all your emotions out that way because when you're speaking, you just bleh, just throw it all out there. But I mean, it could have. You could've... really have to work at it to get, you know, get it going. It could have been something like this guy doesn't have a effing clue. <laughs> it could have been what it was. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't remember. So, uh, okay. So, yeah, we're both going to be on the same horse here. We're going to be on Nation's Pride on top for Appleby. And then we both have Stone Age in that second spot. All right. Let's move on. Let's do rapid fire. 
Um, usually, I think he says something. I'm trying to remember what that might be. You want me to do it? Yeah, you could do it. All right, time now for Rapid Fire, presented by BetPTC. Go to BetPTC.com, sign up for a new account using promo code DUDES, D-U-D-E-S. Get $750 new member bonus once you bet. It's a $200 new member bonus once you bet $750. Magic hasn't done that read in a minute, sorry. <laughs> Mike does the reads now for us. That's why I didn't get that. But it is brought to you by BetPTC.com, and it leads us, Aaron, to the Suburban Stakes first. There we go. Thank you very much for the read there, Magic, as I put on my radio voice. Uh, by the way, where is Jared? I don't know. I don't know. I think he might. He's gone. I think he left. No, he uh, his babysitter fell through. His babysitter fell through. He was super pissed because he's handicapped all these races. So that's why he is not here. All right, let's go to the Suburban right now. It's going to be race four Saturday at Belmont Park. Grade two race going a mile and a quarter on the dirt this time. Four hundred thousand dollar purse. Short field, only a field of five runners in this one. Magic, where are you going? I knew he was going to be the favorite. Uh, I'm happy he's only 7-5, to five, at least on the morning line. Lock it in if you can. I'm going to use dynamic one on the outside. If you scratch off the Kentucky Derby and the Traverse from last year, both races that where he was developmentally, way too much for him, way in over his head. Scratch those off. He's been steadily improving. Seems to peak with every start at age four. I think another peak effort's coming here. Uh, he's a son of a 2012 Belmont Stakes winner, so you would think that there's no issue with the distance going a mile and a quarter. And, you know, he's got untreated in here. There's not much pace. It's only five horses, like you mentioned. I think untreated sets this up well enough. It gives him an honest pace and makes sure that nobody can get too crazy out there. Whenever you see Uriah St. Louis in a short field like this with a long shot, it always makes me just the tiniest bit nervous. Uh, but I think this kind of covers those bases. Uh, Jared went with number five, dynamic one as well. And I'll go ahead and make it a tripod here. I'm going with number five, dynamic one as well. Uh, has this horse kind of just become a decent horse all of a sudden? Like, you know, last year he kind of had his moments where he was okay and then not great. Uh, finished off with a no-show in the Travers. Obviously something happened, had a little injury or something happened. And off for a while, ran in the Challenger, got beat by Scalding and Cody's Wish, two horses that are pretty darn good. They've turned out to have a pretty good season so far this year. Got beat by Scalding again next time out uh, in the Ben Ali and then came back last time out, looked very good. Got revenge on Scalding, beat Proxy in the blame. I think he catches a field here that's fairly weak. Um, and I think, I think Dynamic One gets it done. So... It's a clean sweep with dynamic one for the Suburban at Belmont Park. All right, let's go now to the eighth race on Saturday's card at Belmont Park. It is the grade three victory ride going six and a half furlongs, $150,000 purse for three-year-old fillies. Uh, let's see, we've got a field of seven this time around. Mr. Magic, who do you like in this one? Oh, goody. I didn't eat chalk this time. I was worried. Number two, smash ticket, five to two, second choice. Uh, you know this. Aaron Todd Fincher, a Southwest trainer, uh, brought her and a few other horses to Del Mar last summer. Did pretty well. This was one that he had a lot of confidence in, and rightfully so. Uh, very impressive after that Lone Star uh, debut, which, by the way, she debuted at Lone Star behind Wicked Halo, who ends up being, I think, a multiple stakes winner herself. So a very nice Lone Star main special weight race there. Uh, she went into the grade two Sorrento looking like she was going to be a threat. Didn't break all that well, but had just had the worst trip from start to finish. It just, it's one of those things that if you better, you just had your hands and you're pulling all your hair out and you're, you know, about as bald as free beers by the time the race was over. Uh, I'm a little worried Mike Smith is riding her just because Mike Smith is, it seems like, you know, he's, he's lost a lot of this touch, but he hasn't lost it completely. Um, I, I do like, you know, if the, the fact that if there's a speed duel here because there's six of seven horses that seem like they want to go, she can at least stalk a little bit, and Mike Smith will see a pace duel and pull back on her. So 
I'm going to use the two, but uh, what about you, buddy? Yeah, this is an interesting race. I'm going to give uh, the number four Happy Soul one more shot, one can't final shot. I can't let her go because I've seen her at her best, and I think it's better than the rest of these horses. Uh, the race three back at Oakland Park and the Dixie Bell Stakes will win. I am certain of it. <laughs> but the problem is last time, or two, excuse me, two races back, they tried to stretch her out, which I don't blame them, and it didn't work. And then, so then they took her to the Miss Preakness Stakes last time out, and she just didn't run worth a damn. And there's really no other way around it. She didn't run very well. I'm hoping she bounces back here. I'm going to give Happy Soul one more shot. I don't blame anybody for not wanting to do it one more time, but I am going to do it. And uh, I, I'll mention Jared picked the number five Pretty Birdie, who's going to be the favorite in this one. Has gotten beat by two really good horses, Macharea two races back in the eight bells, but she got second. And then last time out, Wicked Halo beat her at Churchill Downs. And like I said, Pretty Birdie was second. Wicked Halo came back to win uh, last time out as well. So we're all over the place. You're going number two, Smash Ticket. I'm going to go number four, Happy Soul. And then Jared's going to go number five, uh, Pretty Birdie on top in this one. All right, let's take our tack over to the great state of Indiana. What do you say, Magic? I have never said those words in my life before, but yes. <laughs> <clears throat> unless it, oh, unless I was saying it was, it's great to leave the state of Indiana. That's, a, that's something we say a lot. But Well, I'll tell you what. I'll be driving through Indiana a week from Sunday, and I will be happy when we're out of it without any doubt. But uh, it's not because I hate Indiana. It's because we still got about 12 hours to go as we make the trek up to upstate New York. Anyway, different story, different day. Let's go to race 12 at Indiana Grand. No. At Indiana Downs? No. At Horseshoe Indianapolis? That's right. It changes names more than Magic changes football teams. Uh, it's race 12. Like I said, Indiana Derby. Grade 3 race. Mile and a 16th. $300,000 purse. Magic. Who do you like? Boy, I liked her uh, I liked her 8-1 to one odds in the Iowa Oaks where she will not be running. Um, a lot better than the 7-2-2 two two on the 8 Actuator. She will be running in this race. Uh, this filly took a huge step forward with Michael McCarthy last time out. And Michael McCarthy is not known as a trainer. First time out or first time running, you know, it's, it's not something that's usually a big thing for... Uh, uh, for Mike McCarthy horses. So the fact that she had that extremely impressive uh, victory for him at Churchill Downs. The runner-up last out, by the way, broke through uh, next out with an 81 buyer, so did back up that form. It's really tough going from a main special weight to even facing winners, let alone to a grade three. But let's be honest, there really isn't, you know, a ton in here that you've got to really be excited about. There's horses that you can poke a bunch of holes in, and I'm going to steal a line from DRF, but talent is going to trump uh, the, the past performances here. That's what I'm going to do it. Did Mike Samich take over your body? Why? You called, oh, did you I call this? She didn't. I. Yeah. Yes. Several I, times. You, I you doubled down that. and tripled down on that. The, the, this the, is because it's the Derby, the Oaks. Is, I just went off from the from the start. I know. <laughs> All right. So you're taking the eight. It's this position. It's this square. Being below the host is what does it to you. I'm convinced. Okay, we just switched it, there so that go. won't happen again the rest of the time. <laughs> All right, well, listen, uh, you're going to take the eight. I think it's a good pick. Uh, have confirmed that the eight will run here. Yes. Uh, he was double-entered in this race in the Iowa Derby. Uh, Jared and I are on the same horse. We both like number seven best actor in this spot, the Brad Cox trainee coming up here, going to try to win the Indiana Derby, shipping up from Churchill Downs. This horse was very good on debut at Oakland Park with a victory and a main special weight. Came back last time out to win an allowance race at Churchill Downs. Yeah, I like Best Actor. I think the, the numbers really fit. And I think the biggest difference between the seven and an eight and why I ended up going with the with the seven 
it's what you mentioned. It's really hard to get that maiden special and then go right up to the to the uh, uh, graded stakes level where this horse, best actor, has that buffer. Went to the allowance and now goes up to the Indiana Derby here. So, yeah, I went ahead and took number seven, and so did Jared. You're taking number eight. I guess we better talk about it real quick. Un Ojo is back. Any thoughts on how he will run for Diodoro now? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> things that I should say on here. I think he's gonna have. I think he's a good chance to hit the board. The horse, aside from the Arkansas Derby, when we talked about how rough that trip was for him, I think he's got a great chance to hit the board. I just don't know that I love him with uh, you know the kind of speed that signed on in here. If he tries to go with him, I don't think he can hold on with the kind of pace setup. So uh, off of the break. So I'd, I'd like him underneath, but not to win. Yeah, I don't really think uh, King Ottoman, or excuse me, uh, Un Ojo will do much here. I, I mentioned King Ottoman because Jared Bush really likes King Ottoman. And my dad loves this horse. He thinks this horse is going to win here. He said the same thing. He said, watch that Texas Derby. This horse is improving for Asmussen. Look at that breeding. There's no way this horse is not going to keep improving. King Ottoman, what are your thoughts on him? So Mike and I both picked him in the Texas Derby because we covered Lone Star's, uh, that, that card for that. And he was, I think he was like 10 to 1 on the morning line too. He was a maiden who won the Texas Derby. He was a maiden who won the Texas Derby. No, I don't want him here. Uh, that race it, that race was a joke. Like we were, like it was a kind of a joke. Like King Ottoman is going to win this because the field was that bad and it set up that well for him. Uh, no, that was the time to catch him. You're going to get a lot less than five to one, I think, too. Oh, man, I wish Papa Dude was here. He'd tell you a thing or two about Steve Asmussen and never leaving him off. Uh, we got to talk about this before we move on to the next one. Rattle and Roll uh, is entered in this race. Yes, that's right. Rattle and Roll, who just raced seven days ago and won. And uh, give, give him a bow. He did win the American Derby last time out at Churchill Downs. Like I said, just seven days ago. What do you think Rattle and Roll is going to do in this spot? He won a race that was turned into dirt at the last second because the turf course is still just dog shit at Churchill Downs. He didn't beat anybody that was aiming for the American Derby to try and win it on dirt, so he didn't beat anybody. That's like saying, oh, Ethereal Road beat a bunch of horses who have never won a stakes race in the Sir Barton, so now you should play him in the Belmont. No, don't do that. That's a bad move. Don't do it at 5-2 to two when it's McPeak. Don't do it. No. He's... The no. fact that he's the favorite is just amazing. Like if you liked him and he was eight to one, it's like, well, sure, give him a little bit of little bit of chance. And but five to two is incredible. So yeah, that's gonna be unbelievable. All right, Magic, let's get in the RV. Let's drive a couple states over, and let's go to Prairie Meadows. How does that sound? Does that sound better? That sounds like something we're going to do. <laughs> All right, well, the Iowa Festival of Racing kicks off tomorrow, Friday, uh, with four stakes races, and it concludes on Saturday uh, with four more stakes races. We're going to talk about two of them, the first one being the Iowa Derby. The Iowa Derby, $250,000 race, going a mile and a 16th. Uh, four three-year-old, now Magic, it's a derby, so make sure you know that they are males. Who do you like in this one? The problem is, as I, I had earlier this morning, the Indiana Oaks and Iowa Oaks were my main focuses, and you sent me the list of things to do, and I was like, it's the two races at those tracks I didn't look at yet. Great. So that's why it's on my brain. All right, here we go. Iowa Derby. I am going to go with a horse that thankfully is not close to the favorite. That's the number two big blue line at nine to two. Listen, here's the thing. I looked at this field. I watched a bunch of replays, Aaron. And I want no local horses in this race. I don't think any local horse in this race really got a shot other than the eight li Ain't Life Grand. I'd love to see him win it. 
I don't think he does. Uh, Major General, that's the other horse to look at. He's carrying 113 pounds, which is pretty great. But I actually a little bit worried, Aaron. I think this horse is just cooked. I think we've got a point. Major General, we need to stop. We need to hit reset. Give him a break. Bring him back at age four. Todd Fletcher does that with horses very beautifully. Send this horse back to Windstorm. Give him some vacation time. Uh, you do all of that. All of those chips fall. Rattle and roll is not here. Wouldn't touch him anyway. It's either the horse that you're going to use or Big Blue Line for me. So I'm with Big Blue Line. He's won two straight heading into this. Uh, the runner-up last out, Alejandro, is a four-year-old son of Perlin out of Rachel's Valentina, who won his race next out with an 86 buyer. So I'm going to roll with him, but I think it's really a two-horse race. Yeah, I, I think Big Blue Line's got a big-time shot here. Like I said, it's a field of 10, but two horses will scratch. The nine is out and the four is out. Jared did like the four a little bit, but he told me, hey, I don't know. I think this horse may be going to Indiana, uh, so he didn't really have a backup here. Uh, I like the number five, Conager. I don't I don't know how they beat this horse if he runs back to that race last time out this is a set that or excuse me that last race was seven furlongs this is a mile and 16th i know that is a question mark sources look awfully awfully good and that race last time out the allowance at churchill downs the second place finisher was goodnight that horse came back to win a stakes and that horse was a grade one winner as a two-year-old surfer dude was third in that race he had won an allowance on uh, derby day I, I just think this horse is, is much, much better than the rest of this field as long as he can stretch out in distance. What do you think? Can he can he stretch out? That's the question. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a case where, um, you know, it's why I like to actually eight to one in this race like Jared did and said, no, he's seven to two in the other stupid one. Uh, mm -hmm. Conager here, you've got a horse that has never tried to stretch out. He has mostly a, a sprinting pedigree, but the time to nail these horses when they're going to take the step forward routing, and you know this, is when the first time they go sprinter route. Second time sprinter route, that's when I want to fade a horse. So I get, that falls to a lot of these local horses that, honestly, these are all sprinters who tried the Prairie Mile last time out because that was the logical step for them as three-year-olds. But uh, yeah, I think that, like I said, that between the five and the, the two, for me, you know, the five has those back-to-back -back buyers that are both impressive. But I'll also tell you and all the listeners that uh, Dr. Miranda, who was, uh, works in Kentucky, works with a lot of, a, uh, she's a chiropractor. She works with a lot of people uh, on the backside of, of big tracks like in Lexington. Uh, she said, she told me off air when we were doing Indian Oaks, she said, Conagher, that horse, she said, I've been told that that horse is just an absolute beast and it hasn't been looking better and he's going to win this race. So if you like Dr. Miranda's picks, she also loves a five Conagher here. I don't know if I should be happy or sad about that, but I do love Conagher a lot. Maybe a single on this night. Uh, we've, we have a Iowa bred horse, Ain't Life Grand. we got to talk about that one for a minute from my good buddy, Kelly Von Hemel. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think the distance will help. I think they're going to have to come back to him a little bit. Do you give him any shot? This is a hard one because we, we, you know, you on the preview for this over on the YouTube channel, you've done a nice story about how Kelly Von Hemel has been very important to the racing dude's success. And so, it, you know, knowing that and having met him myself and knowing Kelby a little bit, it's hard to look at this with your, separate your heart and your head. You know, I think he can definitely hit the board. He's, this is an Iowa bred who is a son of not this time on Medelli Doro Maryland. This is impeccable breeding for an Iowa bred. So you would think hitting the board is a definite shot for him. I just don't know that, you know, beyond third, I don't know if he's got that that class and that talent to do it. 
Hey, I got a text earlier in the week, and they said Big Black, that's what they call him, is ready to run. So, hey, let's if he wins, I would be ecstatic for him, and, and as you would be too. It's funny because I, I was sitting there, and like, yeah, he can do it, he can definitely hit the board, you know. And then I asked my dad on the show, who's like, no, he has no shot. So, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> maybe it is our hearts, and, and maybe nobody should bet they ain't. But listen, we'll be rooting for Ain't Life Grand. Uh, a really, really good horse uh, from the Iowa bred ranks is going to try to step up. So we'll see what happens. All right. We're sick with Iowa. We're going to do one more um, and we're going to do the corn Husker handicap. That's right. Magic. It's your favorite race. Why are we doing it? Because it has a history of producing Breeders' Cup Classic winners like Nick's go. Will it produce a Breeders' Cup Classic winner this year? That's question one. And question two, who do you like on top? Uh, answer number one. God, I hope not. Answer number two, uh, I like the number two officiating on top. I'm not really a huge fan of a lot of ho these horses in this specific spot. I oddly think that this is too short for Warrant, the way that he's run lately. I think that a mile and an eighth maybe isn't enough for him. Rated our superstar, I think he's best at a mile and a sixteenth. That leads me to officiating. We've got a sprinter stretching out, but if you look at his breeding, why has he been sprinting, Aaron? This is a son of a Breeders' Cup Classic winner, a grandson of a Belmont Stakes winner. He's going to be stretching out with the distance pedigree. He should be on the lead, on the muscle early. I think he easily goes gate to wire here. I really don't think anybody else sticks with him early. And if that's the case, I think Castellano walks the dog and is able to take them gate to wire. I also, if you look at his back class, Speaker's Corner Fearless beat him. He was third to those two horses going a one-turn mile. He's got multiple wins at seven furlongs, again, indicating two turns, you know, up, up to a mile and a 16th mile and an eighth shouldn't be that much of an issue. Uh, drafted beat him last out. Drafted is a pretty damn solid sprinter right now. So it... it I didn't like the other horses with shorter prices. I really didn't like any horse in this race, but I thought officiating made the most sense in this spot. You're going to go with officiating on top. Oh, this is a horrible race. Uh, I am going to go, <laughs> and Jared is going to go with number five warrant, and I'm sure he will hang and get second in the spot. But this is a massive, and I'm talking massive, class drop for warrant. I mean, this horse was second to Fearless last time out. I think Fearless could run a lap around these horses. Uh, he beat Lone Rock at a mile and a half last time out. Warrant did, so I think that's pretty solid. He was not good in the Bin Ali, but you know that Scalding, not bad. Dynamic One's not bad. Stiletto, or, or excuse me, Proxy's not bad. He was second by only a head to Express Train in the Sandy Handicap. I mean, I just think Warrant gets the job done here. I, I think he kind of outclasses this group, but... I get eh, if you want to kind of go elsewhere. He doesn't exude a lot of confidence as far as winning races, um, but maybe he gets the job done here as he's kind of dropping down to about the lowest he's ever been without question. <laughs> I mean, this is bad. I mean, what? you do have Silver Prospector. He, he did win last time out, finally. It just This also feels like a spot where anybody who won last out you know, with the, it made you go, yeah, it's going to bounce here. Like, I could easily see Silver Prospector bounce off of that. Or you could see Warrant hang, like you said. You could, you know, Fleet Ridge is a local horse, but you know, do we really have that much confidence in him here? No. No. Rated our superstar. He kind of looks washed after a great Oakland meet. Hasn't done much. Yeah, I mean, Flash of Mischief looked great last year, but hasn't done good, hasn't done much this year. It's, it's, I mean, it's there for the taking, right? Yeah. One of these horses have to win, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why I went with, you know, Safi. Uh, Safi outside of Florida. You know, we hate that angle. But just like I said, I'm looking at this as a stretch out sprinter. I think he's going to lead and go gate to wire, and he's got the pedigree to do it. So 
We'll see what happens. This is Safi outside of Florida, but it's it's Prairie Meadows, so that's that's, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's like you know he does well when he goes to Mountaineer, right? So right, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to be rapid fire. That's what we've got for you today. Hopefully everybody enjoyed uh, all the picks. there. got a lot of races uh, coming up and a lot of uh, you know, big time races this weekend and a lot of different tracks, kind of some you know, tracks maybe you only watch once or twice a year. And then next week, Saratoga. So it, it just keeps going, getting better and better and better after a really great weekend last week as well for the 4th of July. Magic, I want to end the show by this. Yeah, hey, there's a good point. Speaker's Corner could have waited on this spot. Yeah, and would have won. Uh, and and Magic, would have looked like Nick's go last year doing it. Yeah. I, I, I want to I ask you a couple questions because everybody on horse racing Twitter right now, they're very mad. Very bad. Mad, mad, mad. I'm missing the drama. Are you mad that Saratoga has rebuilt the paddock bar? That's question number one. No. Why <laughs> is adding a bar at the horse track bad? Well, they haven't added it. They just rebuilt it. So it's better. Why is okay. better bad? Okay. I, uh, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't think it's worth the outrage. I've never been one. to Saratoga. I don't even know what this bar looks like. So I have no skin in the game. I don't understand why making something better and work better and more smoothly is a bad thing. Progress, to be, people. To be fair, I will save my pin until I actually see it, unlike 99% of horse racing Twitter. But the old uh, bar was a tent, a big red and white tent, you know, Saratoga colored tent. And it just was a bar in the middle of this big tent, right? And anytime it rained at all, it would just flood the tent area and you'd be standing in water. Um, and so what they've done is they've made it a modern looking bar on the bottom floor where you can still walk up. And then they're selling like luxury boxes on the top of it. So people are very, very upset about this. I am not worried about it. How about that? With um, everything that's happening in the world right now, I'm glad that they have their priorities straight. And here's the deal. Shadi's right. That everybody in racing, we got to do this. We got to. We got to. We got to be better. We got to update our our situation. We've got to. You know, we've got to do things to appeal to crowds. And then we we do a, we change a bar that is literally a tent. Which, by the way, I love the the paddock bar, and I'm sure I will love it even more now. But we'll see. And it's like, what are they doing? You cannot ruin tradition. You know. So yeah. Um, are you mad that Equibase? has been down but it's now up it was down for about a day are you very angry about that no that's a day that ends in why does nobody it's like everybody who freaks out about equibase being down it's their first time ever using equibase like, I, I mean, use this for a week seven days in a row and count how many days you have an error you won't be surprised and listen people like okay Fan, not not all fans, but you know the fans, maybe people that aren't really in the game or they work at, on the game, they can get mad and that's fine. But like people in our industry, like throwing a fit about this, it's like, guys, do you never get on Equibase? I mean, this is once a week. This is what? not that big a deal. I thought you were going to ask me. I thought they were still mad. They will be when Saratoga comes back because there's a race on opening day for it, the Wilson shoot. The oh, one-mile dirt shoot pissed off a lot of people because I guess there's barns that have been there since slavery was still going, so they wanted to keep them there. So that was important. But no, you should do – every track should have a one-turn dirt mile setup, every major track. San Anita, Del Mar looking at you. You need that if you want to be considered at an elite track like a Churchill, like a Belmont. So, uh, yeah, love it. 
I mean, it's Aqueduct has one for God's sakes. Come on. Well, well, and and I think what's saving that is Saratoga used to have one and they eliminated it. Mm -hmm. So there's that too. It's like they had it before. It's not like we're creating something new. So I guess those, I guess those barns weren't there since slavery then, unless they just went around them. Now, now if Saratoga tore down the paddock bar and rebuilt it and let nobody come in unless they bought a ticket to it, then that would be bad. But if I can go to the same spot I've always gone and it's a nicer setup, why am I upset about that? Like maybe the, maybe now they're hardwired for internet so your transactions with credit cards go faster or you don't have the credit card machines go down as often or maybe you have better lines or maybe you have nitrous instead of the, you know, the, the cheap gas tanks that you would have to for, have for that. Listen, I'm thinking of all this stuff from a food and beverage perspective. This all makes perfect sense. Well, the big thing, the lines, that could be huge if they have more space, you know, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, Junebug, so I, I did I, I should I didn't know you were new. So Equibase does have a history of being down. It's just it's it but the problem is it's where all of the data for all of horse racing is kept. So when one site has that and it goes down, DRF can't do PPs, Brisnet can't do it's it's terrible. It's kind of funny these people are making comments about how could they not have a, a you know a, a plan B. They got hit by lightning. Is that and what happened? Yes. <laughs> I heard it was a power outage. Like for once, Equibase, it was a legitimate thing. And, and also, they were upset because they actually legitimately had an excuse for once. Yeah, they got hit. They got hit by lightning. And by the way, people that are saying that they never really owned a website, you can tell you don't pay to have a backup server just sitting there 365 days a year. You don't do that. That's that's a waste. Now, should they have had better technicians that maybe could have got things over quicker? I can say from experience, yes. When you cheap out on stuff like that, you do have those downtimes that are longer. We thankfully do not have that anymore because we have better people working on the site. But you do have that. With websites, it's unavoidable at times that you're going to go down. Um, We've minimalized that quite a bit. Like I said, with the upgrade of everything, maybe Equibase needs better people to work on that side of it. But, you know, it, it does happen. Um, but, yeah, they get hit by lightning. Like, you can't, there's nothing. What, what are you going to do? They were down less than 24 hours, and they got hit by lightning. I mean, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know? Uh... Anyway. All right. That's it. I just wanted to see how mad you were. I'm glad you're not. No, I didn't even know there was people were mad about that. I thought there was something legitimate to be mad about. There was there was one guy and I can't for, I can't remember who it was. Kind of wrote uh, did a post on Twitter, but I never tweet anymore because of this. But did a post and it was like, I just don't see what the big deal is about the bar. Like we can still go in it. The comments on that tweet is like blew my mind. I was like, I can't believe how angry people are about that. Um, so I don't know if you're mad, I'm sorry. And hopefully when you get there, it's okay. But you know, um, I think, I think we'll, we'll, life will go on and Equibase is back. So for a while at least, so life will go on there as well. All right, magic. Any closing thoughts? Uh, NHL draft is tonight and you have a, you're a fan of a good team. So I'm sure you don't even like care who's involved. I not knocking you. I understand that. It's not like the NFL or NBA where it's like, everybody knows, who the big stars are, but are you be paying attention to what's been going on with the number one overall uh, position here? I'm not paying attention about who's going to get drafted tonight. I have been paying attention on what transactions could happen and the blues could be involved maybe in something like that. But no, I, I don't know. I know the draft is pretty solid this year, supposedly, right? 
Like there's supposed to be some good prospects. Yeah, well, there's so one guy, Shane Wright, for I think the mm -hmm. OHL has been like the consensus number one pick, and he was trading it for betting purposes. He was trading it like over minus a thousand for forever to be the number one overall pick. He's down to about minus two twenty right now. There's a lot of steam coming in for this overseas guy, uh, Yuri Slavkovsky. So. It's kind of interesting to see what's been just the, the betting has been going on with that. But uh, more specifically, the Detroit Red Wings pick number eight, and I'm looking at who's available, and I'm liking our chances. So we've got – there's a lot of interesting prospects, uh, lots of good centers, which is our number one need. So I'm feeling pretty good about our chances. I just trust in Steve Eisenman. He's one of those people that, for me, I'm just bought in. I'm like, you have no reason – I have no reason to doubt you. You built Tampa into what it is right now. The first draft pick he ever made was uh, Mo Sider which I don't know if you remember this, Mo Sider was supposed to be like a bottom first, early second round pick. Eisenman took him sixth overall. People laughed audibly in the arena when they drafted him, and he just won rookie of the year. So we're <laughs> off to a good start with the Eisenman plan. I think you got, you're in the right hands uh, with, with Stevie Y. I think, yeah, I think you're going to be fine. You're going to have to be patient, and you've been patient. So I think, oh, there you go. He's right here. Uh, most people have, you know, like a cross or something. Uh, I've got a plaque of Steve Eisenman right there. I like it. I like it. I've got, uh, uh -oh. well, I can't Stay. show you mine. They're inappropriate pictures of somebody <laughs> you may know. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess we better get out this of here. is what happens with married guys when we don't have Tinder talk. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, what's going on with country I, grammar? I haven't seen anything or beyond. Oh. I know, I know a little bit. I know like the first couple matches and that's it. So don't say anything. The, the overall question, I'm not mad about AEW. I thought it was fine. It, just, okay. it wasn't great, but it was fine. Um, Country Grammar and Flightline, what's going on with them? Pacific Classic next for them. Both of them, yep. That's right. It sounds like art. I totally agree. <laughs> um, uh, I did see, well, why is CM Punk trending? That always scares me. He's already I, hurt. Can he be hurt again? I do not know. Now I've got to get on the Twitter machine here. I just said I don't get on Twitter anymore. That's true. Uh, he, uh, you could have him be the new. Uh, he could start up the new pinnacle. You have CM Punk and FTR. Uh, don't say that. Um, Listen, we talked about Hook and Danhausen teaming up, and it we we talked that into existence. We actually did talk that into existence. I don't see him being. I don't see him twi uh, trending. It's oh nothing. I think I figured it out. It's nothing actually significant. So. Is it like a Twitter fight? No, some WWE star almost debuted as his manager. Oh, okay, okay. Mickey Boy. James. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Oh, Mickey James. Yeah, I keep. Oh, I just sure. keep looking at, looking at my photos on my my wall there. That's great. Boy, what an office I've got. Uh, Shoddy ass Magic Mike later today. I have no idea what's happening with it. We are doing the late pick five at Belmont because the Belmont Oaks is part of that, so we want to cover that. Wow. Yep. You think you have any actually? Actually, I need to go because I still need to handicap those last two races, and they are not easy it's a maiden special weight on turf uh for new york breads and then a thirty thousand dollar non-winners two lifetime claimers yeah wow. it's not it doesn't get pretty at the end yeah it's tough that's a really tough card on saturday for sure but it could pay a lot if you're right so hopefully we can kind of get the a few of those right on saturday all right guys well magic just said it's time to go <laughs> oh uh no tournament is not happening tomorrow oh, because of equibase yeah yeah, we literally got an email saying maybe you may want to rethink this because Equibase is still down. Okay. So Equibase provides, like Magic said, the data for all, not ours, thankfully, but for 99% of horse racing, they provide data to the sides. 
And when they go down, all the other sites can't get information that one of those sites being horse journeys. So that's what happened. So no, no tournament this week because we were unsure if it could even happen. Uh, and if it would have happened, we would have no time to promote it. But what that means is next week, Saratoga opening weekend, we'll have a tournament where we would not have if we did it this weekend. So no, no tournament. Sorry. Blame Equibase. Hey, now you can be mad at Equibase. It ruined the tournament. So, um, yeah. So that's how that happened. So, do you guys want to? Are you interested in trading for Alex DeBrincat because Chicago wants a goalie, and I know you have two of them. Um, you want no. Alex DeBrincat? Oh, come do on! Yes, him? you do. The guy's a scoring machine. He's only like this tall, but he can score a lot. Well, we got a lot of guys that are like this tall. Oh. Okay. Sure, we'll take him. Yeah, we're gonna take him. Uh, Chicago has him. Is that what yeah. you just said? Well, yeah. We're not gonna get. They're not gonna work with us. We used to call them the Dick Hawks when I was a kid because <laughs> fun. That way. Chicago, because Detroit used to be in the Western Conference, so they were like our big rivals. So when you're like eight years old, you hate it. Like, yeah, they're the Dick Hawks, but you had to be quiet around your because you couldn't let your parents hear you say it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Definitely when I was eight, not 18, Aaron. That's that's the lesson here. Now we've got everybody mad at uh, uh, Equibase, and now you've made the, the uh, what's that? Well, I already FCC. made her mad earlier because of Barbara Road and comparing her, him to Tiz the Bomb. So. Well, that was bad. That was bad. Well, Barbara Road wishes he was as good as Tiz the Bomb. All right, time to go, everybody. To say it. I was trying not to say it. <laughs> oh, this actually, this actually is making Dr. Tang mad. He found out it's more expensive to fly to Lexington for the Breeders' Cup this year than it is for him to go to Paris for a week. I got that text as well last night, and I was dying laughing. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> poor yeah, Dr. Tang. There it is. I think he's telling everybody. <laughs> Dr. Tang is he's airing the grievances. Is this is uh, uh, what is uh, what's Festivus. the uh, Festivus? Yes, this is this is Dr. Tang's Festivus. He does not celebrate on December 23rd. He celebrates on J uh, July 7th. Obviously. A festivus for the rest of us. What better way to end than that? All right. Yep. So if you have air, uh, grievances to air, make sure to go to the Magic Mike show and let him know about it, especially Samich. He'll be happy to answer and try to calm down any of you that are upset. Uh, if you're upset with us, direct your emails towards Mike Samich, and he will handle those as well. So, all right, guys, we're getting out of here because uh, Magic needs to hit the pick five at Belmont, and he needs to handicap the last two races. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We had a good crowd, a lively crowd, as always. And uh, we'll see you for the next Winter's Off. And we'll see you for Magic Mike coming up here in about an hour. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. <laughs> This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes 